Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Um, I have some questions here if y'all wanted to go through a couple of these. We're not really strangers, but other than that, we can we get love into the questions. Mm-hmm. Y'all want to pick a couple of these? Why don't you pick them? All right, so I get to pick first. All right, so Matt, I will take that question, bottom right. Okay. When quarantining is behind us. Quarantining. Yep, quarantining, <laughs> not martining. Quarantining. Quarantining. Quarantini. Is that a drink? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like a quarantini. I could make a quarantini. If, when it's behind us, what change do you want to make in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life, if any? CrossFit. Did it, what did I hear? What was that? You, you, know, you know how you can tell if someone... Is in the CrossFit. You don't have to worry because they'll tell you they're in the CrossFit. <laughs> what change do you want to make in your day-to-day life, if any? The Amazon rainforest. Where some of the most wild creatures in the world exist. Mom? And here we find the sleepy sloth called Mattis Russellus, who takes days to answer questions. <laughs> like, one of the things that quarantine has shown me, like, not being at church, like, like gathering for worship, is that I've had two, to, two back-to-back day off sometimes. And I'm just not good at self-care that way. And I realize that I think when when we turn back on, I need to create some more space for some more self-care. Like, I want to have some more fun. Hmm. And so, I mean, I'm around people that value fun. I'm on a, in a church staff where, like, that's like a, like, not just having fun, but like joy, right? And so, I think I'd like to cultivate that a little more. Let's just go with this one. What's the most fun you've had during this time of quarantining? All right, so the most fun that I've had, that's easy. So, um, when we first started quarantining, when everyone was told you can't leave your house like at all, right? We were yeah. stay at home order. That was like the first month. And so my daughter from OU was home. My other daughter was home. We weren't going out. We weren't going, you know, in the grocery store or whatever. That was it. But no going out, no eating out, you know, pick up food, pick, bring it home. Everything was at home all day yeah. home. So it was like, Harry Potter, Harry Potter movie thon, yeah, or whatever movie a thon. It was like every night was like, "Hey, here we go." It's like six thirty or seven o'clock. Let's get and on. That the never couch. happens. That's awesome. We've eaten dinner. We got nowhere to go. We got nothing to do. And it was like, I mean, that was that's when you discovered awesome. TikTok. Yeah, that right. That was when I was into TikTok. <laughs> that yeah, I got some great TikTok videos. <laughs> some great content out of that. <laughs> Interior alligator. Oh, something like that. Right. Remember that's that right. one? Yes. Interior crocodile alligator. <laughs> I drive a Chevrolet movie theater. <laughs> but I mean, that was uh, that that was actually. I mean, honestly, since I mean, even when kids were young, I never had. Yeah. Like just weeks unabated of mm. that that yeah. was actually pretty nice that's what you hope to do when you're in retirement right you just have all this time to do yeah, you eat you know? at five and yeah. then you watch movies put your happy pants on and just just <laughs> we relax. call them thanksgiving pants thanksgiving pants yeah any other news 
Or are uh, we good? I mean, I wanted to avoid the Trump stuff. Do you stuff. think I'm mainly cooking? Well, no, I mean, cooking? let's talk about the Trump stuff. Go okay. ahead. I mean, that's okay. Hey, he's the president, and we pray for him. Praying for him to make a recovery. Yeah. Um, you know, my hope is that, my hope and prayer, I think, whether you're a, a Republican or a Democrat, either one, you know, I hope that he doesn't downplay it now that he's had it and he gets through it. I know people that have had it and didn't make it through it. Yeah. And I've known people that have had it and barely made it through it. And I know people who've had it and they didn't have any problems at all. Okay. That's fine. So, but I just, I wouldn't want the person who's leading us, um, to overly downplay it. I I mean, it, it, it is, you know, you listen to Texas medical center and it, it is serious. It is worse than the flu. It's more contagious than the flu. It's deadlier than the flu. But it's not like, it's not a death sentence. So, yeah, I mean, I think some of the things that Trump have said are right. You know, we shouldn't, you shouldn't live in fear, but at the same time, you should take precaution. And I do think you wear your mask and you social distance and you do the things that you need to do. So I think you can be on both sides of this um, with him. And no matter where your politics fall, I think that's okay. Um, I, I would just hope that he doesn't now get on the other side of this and say, Hey, right. I beat it. And look, it's nothing because right. it is something. There's a lot of people that have, that have lost loved ones to this. And I think that part of it is just showing some love and empathy for those that have not been as fortunate as he is, he's been, or he is, right. and he's got, you know, he's got the best medical care in the world, you know, at his fingertips. Not everybody has that. That's right. the other thing. We've talked yeah. about this before with That's other right. people that have been on the podcast is that when you say it affects uh, people of color, black and brown people more, it doesn't mean that they're more susceptible by their genetics. It means that they are in a socioeconomic position That's right. to where they don't have the same access to remdesivir all day and death of extra whatever it is, steroids and constant care of the best medical doctors in the world. I mean, we want our president to have that kind of care. Absolutely. You know, we want him to be okay and want him to be taken care of. But when you make it on the other side of that, you know, what you shouldn't do is just then assume, see, this is no big deal. Some people don't have access to all that. And so we and I think about the least and the lost. I mean, that's what Jesus said. I didn't come to, 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 to for here for the, the people who are well. Yeah. I came for the people that were sick, the people that were broken, the people that were in need. I think that's, the again, it goes back to the thing we talk about all the time, is that Christians need to regain a sense of empathy for other people. Yeah. And not a sense of this proud, haughty spirit. And I'm not saying that about Trump, I'm saying that about us. Yes. We need to have an empathy for people that they don't make it through this as as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One of the things I continue to think about as as we engage more and more with the gospel um and as you and i talk is this kind of understanding of a of a the, the gospel is to stoke create cultivate a new imagination and so it feels like right now in our culture there's a there's really a staid imagination that there's only two ways of thinking and it usually is pitted towards each other but the gospel comes in and says, actually, let me, as Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. And there's a new imagination to, to the way we can hold information and each other and not pit each other against each other. You know, I think that we're called to, to do that. So to, to both take pity and to um, reach out to each other. You know, that's not, 
That's not a hard deal. Yeah, and I think this leads into um, this leads into some things we talked about this morning, and when our staff worship, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus when he starts the kingdom, I mean, the the Sermon on the Mount, he he says, "Seek first God's kingdom mm-hmm. and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you." Seek first the kingdom of God. And what uh, Eugene Peterson says in the message is steep your life in God reality, <laughs> in God initiative, yeah. in God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Um, you know, we're doing this thing now with Howard Thurman in at Chapelwood on, in October and in November. And Howard Thurman is a fascinating mm-hmm. person in the sense he was an academic, a philosopher, a theologian, a poet, a civil rights leader. He was a pastor. A, a pastor, yeah. He was a huge influence for Martin Luther King mm-hmm. Jr. as a PhD student who captured the thought of Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was older and, and an influence mm-hmm. of him. And the nonviolent movement of the civil rights movement was birthed and born out of the formation from Howard Thurman. Mm-hmm. And, and Howard Thurman writes in his book, Disciplines of the Spirit, these non-traditional disciplines that are very important for us. And one is commitment. He says commitment means that it's possible for a man or a woman to yield to the nerve center of their consent to a purpose or a cause, a movement or ideal, which may be more important to them than whether they live or die. Commitment is a self-conscious act of will by which they affirm their identification with what they are committed to. And the character of their commitment is determined by that to which the center or the core of their consent is given. Mm. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. And, you know, what he goes on to talk about is that, and I, I think there was another theologian that said, we don't, you know, we're a democracy, so we don't understand kingdom. We think of kingdom when I, my girls were little, it's prince and princesses and fairy tales. But the, what the word literally means in the Greek basileia is the empire of God. And so when Jesus was referring to the kingdom or the empire, he was referring to the Roman empire, which to the Romans was wonderful, but to the Jews was oppressive. <laughs> it depends on what side of that uh, equation you're on, right? Yeah. If it's uh, uh, liberative or if it's oppressive. <laughs> and so for him to say we, we seek first the <coughs> kingdom or the empire of God is not to seek after the empire of Rome or the empire of the religious establishment of his day, which said, if you do this or you don't do that, then you're in right with God. But it was about the interior of the heart. So Jesus continually told parables and stories about, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what love looks like. This is what forgiveness looks like. This is what mercy looks like. Um, The kingdom of God is a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, one goes missing, they leave the 99 to seek out the one. Right, this is the basilea of God. This is the empire of God. Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Empathy, love, compassion. Mm. So, so when, so when Thurman's talking about, um, 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 commitment, and then you like the the kingdom of God, right? And um, and um, we're to seek first that. What I what that means then is our commitment is to be towards this. This kingdom, this basileia of God, this this empire of God, that's to be the commitment. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. 
And so everything else then, as we steep ourselves in the God stuff of that, all these other things take care of themselves. Yes. And so when we are entering a season now where we're less than a month away from a presidential election that many people feel will be critical and pivotal and life-altering, my response is we don't put our trust into the Republican empire or the Democratic empire. We don't put our trust in the Trump empire or the Biden empire or the conservative empire or the liberal empire. Mm. Whatever it is where you find yourself, Mm. those are not the empires that we're to be loyal to. The empire that we'd be loyal to is the empire of God, which is the empire that's characterized, that's not characterized by oppositional uh, mindset. But that's characterized by love and empathy and compassion and mercy and forgiveness, reconciliation. You just go down the list. This is what Jesus held up and said, even against the religious empire. And I think, you know, we've talked about this since we started this podcast, is that there's got to be a different conversation about the church existing in the world today. If you're putting your trust in a politician, right, if your faith is predicated on a certain person being elected president, there's a flaw there. Yes. I really is. People tell me, if we don't get this president, then we don't get the Supreme Court justice, then we lose this, we lose this, we lose this, we lose this. I get that. I mean, I think logically, I understand that. But you're putting too much trust in an empire that is not what Jesus said is what we're to put our trust to yeah. seek first of. And and what the, the last thing I'll say about that is, I have so many people that say, oh, I seek first the kingdom of God. God's my ultimate loyalty. The empire of God is my first loyalty. That's an espouse value in systems theory. They say espouse value, but your theory and use, what you actually do, what you actually post on Facebook, what you actually say, how you actually react, the words you actually speak, the life you actually live, doesn't reflect the espouse value. So you say the empire of God is my highest loyalty, but you don't speak, talk, act, and live that way. You speak, act, talk, and live in a way that there is a different loyalty, an oppositional cultural loyalty that is higher mm. than the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's what I think Christians are being tested today. Yes. And so we have Christians who are in a developmental, a stunted developmental space where they define their faith as what I do or don't do, which is very much the Jewish establishment of Jesus' day that he countered. And now we have to ask ourselves, we're tested, Okay. Where is your ultimate loyalty? I think every Christian has to ask themselves themselves that question. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if Trump wins, it's not the end of the world. If you're a Christian, it's not the end of the world. If Biden wins and you're a Christian, it's not the end of the world. Why? Because your empire loyalty is not to Trump or Biden. That's right. It's to God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but God has been on the throne through a lot of different leaders in a lot of different countries and a lot of different times in history. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think about the, the first creed of the church, that Jesus is Lord, <clears throat> really was in opposition to the empire of the Roman government where Caesar is Lord. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, the, the church will always stand in opposition to any political party, in a sense, that says, we need your total loyalty, right? Um, um, and so the fact that the first creed, if Jesus is Lord, then no matter who gets elected, can't be Lord. 
cannot be the Savior, cannot be the thing that makes us whole, that we're, we're operating in a different algorithm. The world turns on a different axis in terms of love and compassion, empathy, reaching out to the, our, our neighbor, the margins where folks are hungry. Those are the things that we attend to um, in terms of, um, of our life in Christ. No, I totally agree. And I think that people who, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to have these conversations because people are so bound up in this. And we've had people literally leave the church. People have literally left their church because the church is communicating that the highest loyalty is to Jesus <laughs> and not and not saluting to one particular party or the other. I'm just going to be honest with you, um, and I'm just going to be Frank or John or whatever my name is. Hello, Frank. Hello, Frank. Uh, you know, you, the, the people who leave their church because of that are going to go to a church. The church they're going to end up in is a church that has kowtowed to... Yeah. an empire that is not the empire yeah. of God. Yeah. yeah, There are churches out there that are more than willing to tell you it's this party or that party. And they're on both sides. There are churches that are all about into Trump, and there are churches that are all into Biden. Yep. Churches, right? They're all Republican or all Democrat. I'm like, that's not the kingdom of God. No, It's not. <laughs> I mean, you want to be in a church that reflects the empire of God, be in a church where there are Republicans and Democrats, Trump supporters and Biden supporters, people on both sides that are living together and loving each other in the disagreements around the secular earthly issues, but they got a commonality around the divine eternal issues. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about like Thurman's understanding of commitment. And um, I read some, I really like Soren Kierkegaard a lot. Um, and he kind of uh, riffs um, on this idea of commitment when he talks about an unqualified or an unconditional commitment mm -hmm. that we must make. And much like Thurman, I wonder if Thurman read um, Kierkegaard in that, that whatever commitment you make will then form your identity. It's the thing that will form you the most, mm -hmm. your internal structure, who you are, how, the, how you think about yourself. Um, for those who can't make an unqualified commitment, they really struggle with despair. They struggle with a deep sense of who they are. And when Kierkegaard went to talk about commitment, he lifted up Abraham um, um, in the story where Yahweh comes to him and says, take your son, your one and only son, Isaac. Yeah. And you know, the story where he takes him to the Mount Moriah mm -hmm. and, and, and is to sacrifice him. Um, in a sense, what Kierkegaard is saying is that um, Abraham has to make the choice, right? Like, what is your commitment to? Is yeah. it commitment to your own future through the son or is it commitment to some higher order? Um, and then the story comes, as, as we know, that everything is like in Matthew's scripture, everything is added unto Abraham. Right? Yeah. He's not asked to do that. Um, but um, that sense of what is our commitment, what are we as a Christian, I think that's a really good question. And it's one that I struggle with, one I don't necessarily want to look at all the time. If the body of Christ is going to be broken over a secular, uh, nationalistic presidential election, then we don't really have the yeah. connection as the body of Christ that we the should body have. Of Christ. So Jeff has up this great 
quote from John Wesley, I think that we're going to actually get these put on yard signs and allow members of Chapelwood to put them in their yard if they're like, you know, everybody has a yard sign. It's either Trump or Biden. And I think it's always funny. I hear people, it's like, um, people steal each other's signs or they show, they throw <laughs> trash in their yard <laughs> if they have a, a certain sign. But in, in October of 1774, now think about this. This is John Wesley in England of 1774. He said, I met those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election. And I advised them this, one, to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy. Okay? So that's where we start. Okay. You're not getting paid for your vote, right? You vote your conscience, and I think this is good for all Christians to hear. You vote your conscience for the person that you deem most worthy. For some people, that will be Trump, and for some people, that would be you Biden, your conscience. and all the way down. But yep. you vote your conscience the person you judge most worthy. Two, to speak no evil of the person they voted against. Well, we just have to wipe out social media right there. Now, come on. <laughs> let's preach and preach. meddle and everything else. So that's fine. If you are a Trump supporter or you are a Biden supporter, you vote for the person you judge most worthy, but speak no evil of the person that you vote against. Mm. Can you do that? That's the question. And third, to take care that their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. Ooh. So not only speaking against the candidate you didn't vote for, but make sure that your spirit is not sharpened against those that voted for the other position, the other person, the other side. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think we're there at all. I think some people are, but man, I wish we could be in that spot where those three admonitions of John Wesley from his journal in 1774 could be words that we could live by. That's amazing. So I think we're going to get put, put on yard signs and let people put these in their yards instead of a, you know, yeah. political party. Or put it out there, but put that thing in the center. <laughs> well, put your Trump yeah. or Biden sign yeah. out there, but yeah. put this out there too. And just John say, for you know what? I'm not going to speak evil. <laughs> yeah, he's been dead for a while. Keep calm and Wesley on. Keep calm and Wesley on. I, I think, um, you know, we're, we are in a difficult time, but we were in a difficult time four years ago. Yeah. And four years before that and four years before that. Amen. And I think we forget our history and we forget how difficult uh, a season that we have faced there have been many difficult elections. Yeah. Uh, I think as a history major, I think back about the election of, of 1860. All right. You, you think about an election of, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln. You know, there was a huge division in our country uh, leading up in the 1850s and 1860s because of this uh, disagreement over slavery and all this stuff with the North and the South. It was huge. Yes a division in our country that this is not something new that we've faced. And so we just have to figure out how to have our faith be the center, our commitment that we, we choose to live by. Yeah. And, and I, I really do think that, um, on the other side of this, I mean, we we're best when we're reaching across, um, the aisles. We're, we're best when we're, 
building bridges across divides. We're best when we're asking questions and becoming really curious of each other, you know, because um, we need each other. You know, I just think about um, Marlon and Chris here last week and, and just realizing here's folks that, um, you know, um, in, in many ways our city is set up for us to never meet, you know. And it's in these improbable friendships. It's in these improbable connections that we have that open us up. And I think there's something about Jesus that's in all of that that, um, that says, I'll make a new community out of people that should never belong together, never look like each other, never talk like each other. So what's interesting is I'm walking upstairs today. Yeah. Roger Etheridge's member of our church, is yeah. coming in to return yeah. some books. Yeah. He's got his mask on. Roger's he's a few years older than I am. And he's, he said, man... You know, we're sitting here talking today, but I don't even know if we want to do the podcast, right? And then we meet a guy at the restaurant. Yes, yes. Guy at the restaurant. He's like, I love the podcast. And then I come to church and he's like, I love the podcast. And Roger says, when are we going to have break dancing at the church? I love, did he say that? That's what he said. Dude, Roger, and if I you're said, listening it's coming. to this, start to stretch out, buddy. <laughs> oh, I don't know that he's going to do no, it. No, we're going to put on a little clinic, to... and I want to see Roger like throw some But down. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, even when you feel Beautiful. discouraged, it's like, okay, we got to go check the box and do this again. There are so many people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you run into a guy at the at State Fair. Yeah. You know, John Thornberry comes in and goes, hey, man, I love the podcast. Just want you all to know. Yeah. And we're like, okay, that motivates us to say we're going to. Keep We're going to go on. do this again. Yeah. going to keep this on. Because we need each other. You know, we're having these conversations. Because In some ways, I think more people are, well, as this sounds horrible, I think that, that people are growing into this conversation because yeah. it's so very different than Sunday mornings yeah. or online church. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is something yeah. that people need to stay connected. That's right. That's right. Well, we were headed there in a little of that before COVID. Yeah. You know? But COVID kind of derailed us so very good i'm gonna go uh hang with my son now what are y'all doing for the birthday anything special so uh he asked me would you uh, reverse sear a steak so john my hey. first reverse searing steaker right there yeah. a couple months ago I, I i was so far off the 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 whole zip code of veganism and i ate the first steak i'd eaten in yeah. Five years, maybe? Um, when we were... Uh, it was like putting a bone in front of a dog. I, I, could, I mean, I ate so much, and I was... I felt like, would you like a wafer thin mitt, sir? I was like... <laughs> Just popping. And then he delivered a meat baby <laughs> the next day. I mean, because I was like... And I was looking at everybody else's plate like, you gonna eat that? You done? You finished? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so is that what you're going to make? I'm gonna reverse sear a couple steaks tonight for him. So nice. You got you got the. Uh, I got it. You got it. You're good. You don't. I'm good. All right. So just call me if you. Need I mean, me. I make. I'm not saying I won't call you. Do you have the thermometer? To, I do. To, you I have got the, the thermometer. Yeah. You coach me up. All right. So make sure you put them on a grate. I did. Don't put them flat on right. the pan. Two hundred degrees. Yep. Yeah. And I left it in there about an hour and a half. And then just make sure they get to about a hundred. So what I did is I looked on a. A website where they encourage to put a little canola oil mm-hmm. on, a, on a on the pan when you sear it, and then put butter on the top of it. So when you flip it, and then when it's all over and you've seared it both sides, then you take the contents and you pour it over the steak. Mm-hmm. And then what's the is it the time? 
that you use? Yeah, a little thyme or rosemary. Ooh, yeah. Rosemary. Yeah, thyme or rosemary. Which do you prefer? Uh, they're both good. Can you, yeah. can I get both and put them both on there? Or do you no, you just want one or the okay. other. They're very similar. <laughs> time. Time is, is... I think you use you, time you, first. Yeah, time, time you don't have to chop it up because it's very Easily small down. little uh, pieces. Whereas rosemary, you would have to chop it up. Rosemary's a little stronger. Okay, I'm going to do thyme. But you put the thyme on it, just a little sprinkle, the butter on it, a little salt and pepper. Make sure you season it, salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. All right, all so and also make sure you salt the steaks with a kosher salt or a yes. sea salt yep. an hour before oh. you cook them. I did not do that. Thank you. An hour before you cook them, let them sit. Put salt both and sides. Pepper? No, or just salt. salt. Put the pepper, pepper on later. Okay. Yeah, just salt an hour before and let them sit room temperature then you cook them the salt will ease in and sort of tenderize and flavor the meat best steak you ever had it was it was it was like sickeningly i mean as you you're going to test the other folks around that table you, i mean that's I what was, we're going to do when you come over to dinner we're going to reverse here will, uh, will michelle oh, eat a steak oh she'll she'll eat and if she won't i'll eat hers <laughs> No, she'll eat a steak. I'm, I think I'm going to make some uh, uh, some uh, spinach salad too. I've got. Yeah, a, that makes you feel better about. It. No, no. You know no, what makes this, me no. feel better about a steak no, when I take my rosuvastatin <laughs> pill in the mornings. <laughs> Twenty milligrams of my cholesterol medication. Uh, I call it my steak pill. My steak pill. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 spinach salad though you make with like a bunch of like like bacon fat. And then malt, okay, so then malt vinegar. Yeah. So and now, so, that's so now the the spinach salad is you make you do shallots and butter, and bacon. Yeah. With bacon grease. Okay. In the pan, you put the oil in it. You make the dressing yeah. first in the pan hot. Then you put the salad in, toss it. It's a hot bacon dressing uh, salad. Okay. So basically, in the pan. You put all the ingredients for the dressing, the bake, you cook the bacon, the butter, the oil, you doing vinegar the shallots. In you can put anything. You can put vinegar. vinegar in it? Yeah, okay. whatever you want to put in it to make the basically the dressing. And then the last thing you do is put the salad in, toss, 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 real quick, dump it out. You put any uh, boiled eggs on top of that thing? Of course you can. You can put whatever you want anchovies, huh. boiled eggs, Cheez Its. I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what we're doing? Yeah. <laughs>